This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 4, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The Obama administration's EPA has moved ahead with a rule that may reshape the generation of electricity across the United States. The agency's claim of legal authority is dubious, but having that rule upheld in court years from now may not be what the agency is going for. Andrew Grossman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. He comments on the EPA's new rule. Well, just this week, the administration finally signed uh, final rules uh, implementing its clean power plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from power plants. Uh, For the past year since the proposed rule came out, there's been enormous controversy over the extent of the EPA's legal authority uh, to address these types of emissions at all. for the first time ever, instead of looking at source-level controls, in other words, can you somehow reduce the amount of emissions that are coming out of a particular source, the agency is regarding the entire electric grid as a single device uh, such that it can force uh, coal plants to be replaced by windmills, uh, solar panels, and other things like that. It's it's like nothing that the agency has done ever in the past. Under what authority is the EPA claiming it is able to regulate the entire grid this way? Well, for years, nobody ever thought the EPA had any authority to do this whatsoever. That's why in 2009 and 2010, the Obama administration made such a big push to get cap and trade through Congress, which of course failed. Um, More recently, the EPA has taken the view that a very old statutory program called the Section 111 program um, allows it to regulate these types of emissions. The problem is that that program specifically precludes sources like power plants that are subject to regulation under a newer program called the Section 112 program. That, and that regulation, that's EPA's mercury rule, which at the time was one of the most expensive rules that had ever been promulgated by the federal government. So you have this double regulation here, which is exactly what Congress tried to stop the agency from doing. And from the agency's point of view, they say it doesn't make a difference. So uh, Congress specifically has said either you can regulate uh, emissions under this old rule or the new rule. That, that, that's exactly right. You know, Congress's view is that the agency had to make a choice and that the one thing Congress did not want to happen was these unduly expensive regulations where you'd have uh, major sources, major industries like electric generation that were subject to two very different regulatory regimes and it would have just un, unduly burdensome costs that would be inevitably passed on to consumers. Are the regimes, when put together? Are they coherent? Do they call upon power generation facilities to do things that are contradictory? Well, the real problem is that they just pile mandate on top of mandate on top of mandate. The Section 112 program, which is aimed at toxic air emissions, uh, is the most stringent program in the control in the Clean Air Act. And it requires uh, enormously expensive controls to be um, installed to control all kinds of different uh, emissions. Whereas, by contrast, the Section 111 program, the one that EPA is using, is a very general, broad-based program that's not aimed at anything in particular, and it's usually been left to the states to administer. But in this instance, EPA has decided to take a prescriptive approach and just tell the states what to do. And again, that's very unusual. And not just, again, not just limiting particles that are sent out into the air, but potentially changing the entire method that states use to generate electricity. That's exactly right. EPA's view is that it has the legal authority to compel the states to completely reorganize their energy infrastructures. Now, as a historical matter, nobody ever thought that would be the case because states traditionally have always been the chief electricity regulators. But as a constitutional matter, it's even more problematic than that. The Supreme Court has recognized over a series of cases that the one thing the federal government certainly cannot do is to 
commandeer and coerce state officials into taking actions. If the federal government could do that, there would be absolutely no limits on federal power. They could get the states to do everything. And in the context of policing, for example, the local sheriff cannot be commandeered to enforce a federal law. That's exactly right. And, and the court held as much in the, in the Prince case. And the reason for that is twofold. One is vertical separation of powers, or in other words, federalism, and the idea that the federal government is a government of limited powers. And if it can also draw on the state's powers, then, then there's no simple limit on federal powers. The other reason is horizontal separation of power, or horizontal separation of powers. In other words, the separation of powers between the branches of the federal government. If the executive branch, like the Obama administration here, can reach out to state governments and have them do their bidding, well, then all of a sudden, the executive branch is no longer subject to the limitations of Congress. You refer to the model that we've been using for uh, how regulatory agencies do their jobs as sort of a goodwill model of uh, regulatory uh, agencies. So how has the EPA done what it's done? This is obviously many years in the making, but I think it's, it's worth special emphasis that this is different on a variety of metrics of how we measure how regulators do their jobs. You know, I think a reasonable person would look at a regulation like this and say, well, this is almost certainly illegal. How on earth does the agency think that it's going to actually proceed with this? Because, of course, it'll wind up losing in the courts and that will be the end of it. And that may well be true. I think that's likely to happen that it will lose in the courts. But I don't think that's the agency's game plan here. What the agency has been doing is by proposing, uh, as it did a year ago, such stringent um, emissions reductions and requiring such a breakneck pace for states to achieve them, it forced state electricity regulators to begin working to carry all this out uh, at that time. And they've been doing that for the past year. With this final rule, you get the final targets and the final prescriptions from EPA. And even while this is being litigated, the states are going to be working at a very urgent pace to bring this all into effect. They're going to spend lots of money. They're going to be doing all kinds of analyses. And they're going to be making decisions that are irreversible, things like plant retirements, investments in new generating capacity, windmills, that kind of thing. And I think the EPA's goal here is to change the facts on the ground irrespective of its legal authority. And this is something the agency has done before and been surprisingly candid about. Uh, just a month ago, uh, the Supreme Court um, ruled that the agency's mercury rule uh, was illegal from day one. Um, the EPA administrator's response to that was that the decision simply didn't matter. The rule had been in effect for over three years, and everybody had already made the investments that were necessary to carry it into force. And I think you're going to see that repeating itself right here. There's going to be a lot of activity at the outset to try and stay this particular rule, and that's really the whole game plan. If, if the courts aren't willing to stay this particular rule, and it's very difficult to get a stay, but if they aren't willing to do it, um, the, the it seems like the agency is likely to prevail in this whether or not it loses in court in the end. Just to reiterate, in cases where you have uh, people responsible for carrying out regulations where they have to engage in these long time horizons, it is possible and quite possibly beneficial to the regulatory agency to promulgate rules that will require them to alter their course. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether or not that rule is upheld. Is that right? 
Right. It's amazing when you think about it. It doesn't matter whether what the agency is doing is legal or not. Um, it's completely the idea is completely foreign uh, to our mode of government. You know, rule of law. Um, the problem is that when the you know when we struck our constitution and and when the you know the implementing statutes that control the regu the regulatory state were put into force. Uh, nobody assumed that agencies would be doing anything like this. There was this idea that agencies would carry out the law in good faith. Um, and as we've gotten divorced from that idea, there's the opportunity for this kind of legal chicanery. How do we get to a regulatory model? Obviously, non-delegation doctrine has its problems, but how do we get back to a regulatory model where we don't have to presume that agencies are going to do the right thing? Well, there's been a lot of talk in Congress about changes that can be made to rein in the administrative state. Um, I think it's finally gotten to the point after this administration and the previous administration that too much policymaking authority has uh, been delegated to the, to, the, to the executive agencies, which at this point need not rely on Congress at all, even to undertake major initiatives like the Clean, like the clean Power Plan. Um, part of what Congress needs to do is reclaim its policymaking authority for itself, as well as telling the courts that it's the court's role to decide what the law is, and that um, you know it is as as our framers recognize the height of tyranny for a single entity, in this case an agency, to both decide what the law to 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 both make policy making decisions, to legislate, to exercise legislative power, to exercise the executive power, and then to exercise the judicial power in determining what it is the law means. When you bring those three functions, which were meant to be separate, into a single agency, um, you wind up with problems like this one. Andrew Grossman practices appellate and constitutional litigation at Baker Hostetler. He is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.